If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to read two verses from there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Do you love Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. It says this. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Let me say that again. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy. In other words, you must be different. You must be set apart in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. He is set apart. He is like no other. He is completely different. He's completely other than this world. Second Timothy chapter three says this. In the last days, men will be lovers of self, having a form of godliness, but denying the power that could actually make them holy, that could actually set them apart. This people had settled into religiousness without power. And that's very easy to do. They had not repented of their sins. They had settled for a deficient religion. It's a self-serving, self-preserving religion. This afternoon, I want to continue a series that we began entitled, Not Without You, this is the fourth part of that series. And today I've entitled our teaching, Committed to Make a Difference. Committed to Make a Difference. Let's pray. Spirit of Jesus, we want to thank you for ears to hear and eyes to see are both gifts from the Lord. We yield ourselves to you and we ask for the ability to receive your engrafted word, which is able to deliver us, to save us, to change us, to make us new. We honor you and we welcome you in this place. Lord, and we're not talking about this building. We're talking about our hearts, for we are the temple of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a time where people don't want to commit themselves. And if they do choose to commit themselves, they don't keep their commitments. That's true even among many Christians. I'm not saying all, but among many Christians today, it's the same. It's true as well. It's all about meeting their own needs, satisfying their desires. The main concern is what's in it for me. There's no commitment to family or marriages, no commitment to your job or campus or to the house of God, the people of God, the church of God. But God is raising up a new kind of people, a new breed of folks that are not, that are not just in it for themselves, but instead they have God's heart and burden and concern for others. A people that are others-focused and not self-focused. Are you with me? They are a people that are committed 
to making a difference. Committed to making a difference. Committed to make a difference. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are what? Love God and love your neighbor. He also said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a tall order. I said, that's a tall order. <laughs> Why? Because God's love is a sacrificial giving and a selfless love. All you have to do is read 1 Corinthians 13 and you'll see what I'm talking about. In another place, the scriptures say this, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. God is committed to us. Jesus is committed to care, love, keep, protect, provide, and guide us. Thank God. We ought to act the same toward each other. I'm speaking to myself as well here. I think about it, and I want you to think about it. We serve a God that is committed to us, despite our failures and shortcomings. For example, even though Peter denied Christ, Jesus didn't turn away from him. But in one of the gospel accounts, the Bible says on the contrary. He looked at Peter while Peter was warming himself by a fire in the courtyard. He looked at Peter. He knew Peter would deny him. He even spoke about it. He prophesied it. But then he also prophesied that he would turn and strengthen his brethren. Hallelujah. Remember the story of Jacob? In the beginning, Jacob was in it for himself. It didn't matter what it cost. Lying, deceiving, taking advantage of others, etc., etc. He is folk, he was self-focused on his own needs and what he desired. But that all changed after his encounter with the Lord. Jacob learns to move at a pace that was beneficial for those around him, particularly his family and those under his care. He has changed. He is transformed. He's no longer self-focused, but suddenly now he is other-focused, focused on the needs of those around him. We're talking about being committed to make a difference. What does it mean to be committed? Committed comes from the word commitment, which means this. Number one, to carry into action deliberately. To carry into action deliberately. It means to take deliberate action. To take deliberate action. When I commit myself to something, uh, I'm taking a deliberate action. Number two, it also means to obligate, to bind. It's a contract, a pledge, like a covenant. It means to assign to some course or use. It means to take something or someone, and to assign it to a particular course or use or direction. It's like, taking, it's like taking a vase and saying, this vase is going to be used to hold flowers. Okay, so I'm committing it to that particular course or use. 
The word also means to put in charge or trust. It means to entrust, okay? So to entrust, to put in, to put in charge or to trust. Now, what are some examples of commitments that we make? Well, there are long-term commitments, right? For example, school, marriage, family, parenting, taking out a loan, <laughs> investments, right? Those are examples of, at times, long-term commitments. And then there are short-term commitments. For example, here's one you might have not thought of. Sitting in that chair you're sitting in right now. What are you doing? You are entrusting that that chair is going to hold you up. You're taking a particular course of action and you're believing that that chair is strong enough and that whoever takes care of this church has made sure that you're not going to fall on your tush. Right? right? That's a short-term commitment. Here's another short-term commitment. Getting in a cab or getting on a plane. You're entrusting yourself, getting on the subway, putting your money in the bank, getting on a roller coaster, jumping out of a plane, skydiving. Commitments involve risk. We make commitments every day, every day. We make all kinds of commitments, folks. I want to talk to you a little bit about the process by which we commit ourselves to something. Think about it. When something is set before us, we take time to assess its value or worth. Then we decide whether it's worth the commitment or not. Some things we assess instantly and other things we take a little more time. We calculate all kinds of things like risk, Value, satisfaction. For me, it was the rush of flying through the air. <laughs> My wife and I, we are thrill seekers. We are adrenaline junkies. We love doing all kinds of extreme stuff. There's the pleasure, there's the gains, the effect, whether short-term or long-term, etc. Then we decide whether to go for it or not. When you begin to walk with God, what you value the most and focus on should change to a certain extent. Do you agree? Second Corinthians chapter five. Look there with me. One verse. Second Corinthians chapter five. One verse I want you to see. Second Corinthians chapter five. Verse 15, speaking of Christ, it says this. He died for who? For all, for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Amen. The Lord has invested in us and does a work in us so that he might be glorified through us. We all have gifts 
and special skills that the Holy Spirit has given us. That's what the Bible says. These are to be used to bless people for the glory of God, not for selfish gain. Gifts like administration. Some of you have that gift, that gift of administration. I think of my, my personal assistant, Donna Wilson, who's an incredible administrator. Her attention to detail is amazing. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. You can bake, you can cook, and you know how to bless somebody. I think of Mama May in our choir. She's an incredible cook, and many a time she has blessed the pastor. She's blessed the pastors with some incredible uh, uh, curry, chicken. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> some of you have the gift of serving. Others, you have the gift of preaching, teaching, exhorting. Some of you here have the gift of singing. Amen. These gifts are ultimately for the glory of God. Hallelujah. The same Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives so that we become more and more like whom? Like Jesus. I'm talking about love where there was no love. Maybe you were full of hate, but suddenly there's love, an incredible love from the Holy Spirit. There's joy. Some of you come into Times Square Church and you see everybody smiling and you're wondering, what are these people smoking? What are these people on? There is a joy that comes from the being in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. From being right with God. There is a peace that passes all understanding. There is a patience, a kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As a result, when people see Jesus and he's lifted up, what happens? They can be drawn unto him. As they, as they can look at our lives and see the fruit that is born, they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Joseph is an example of a man that no matter where he found himself, he learned to lean on the Lord and found the grace of God to be committed and made a difference. Think of all the places where he ended up, whether it was in the fields tending his father's sheep or in Potiphar's house or in prison or serving under Pharaoh. He committed himself to the task set before him and the Lord was with him and blessed him the work of his hands. Folks, we make commitments every day. Yet do we, do you maintain those commitments, especially in the areas that really matter to God? Why? So that we make a difference. I'm not talking about being perfect, folks. Hear me. I'm not talking about sinless perfection because that is not attainable to any of us. The only perfect person was Jesus. But today I'm talking about being sincere and obedient, like 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15, which we began with. The Bible says, a righteous man may fall seven times. How many of you 
You've taken a fall. I know I have many a times, but we don't stay there. The scripture says we get back up and we keep going. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He gets back up and by the grace of almighty God, he goes forward. He goes forward. Are you committed to your job? To keeping your word? To helping others? To being where you said you would be? To not just looking out after your own interests, but concerning yourself with others and how your behavior is affecting them. We serve a God who enables us to maintain our commitments. This is possible because of his commitment to us. That's the only way it's possible. For without him, we can do nothing. But through our God, we shall do valiantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. I want to show you an example of where God pledges himself, committed himself to us. Are you with me still? An incredible psalm. A prophetic psalm. Speaking of promises that were made, covenant promises that were made to David and his seed, his descendants, ultimately being Christ. And these promises are fulfilled in Christ for you and I. Verse one, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever, his mercy forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your mercy, your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is enduring as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. All heaven will praise your great works, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angels is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. What an incredible picture. Our Lord God of heaven's armies, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there another as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The psalm goes on to say, later on in verse 19, it says, long ago you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found David, my servant. I have anointed him with my holy oil. Now listen to this. These are promises made to David and to his seed and you know Christ is his seed and we are the seed of Christ. So these promises apply to you and I. These are covenant promises that are fulfilled in Christ to you 
and I. I have anointed him with my holy oil. Do you know there's a fresh anointing for you every day? Fresh oil for you every day. Verse 21, I will steady him with my right hand. The steps of the righteous are ordered, are established, are made firm by the Lord. Hallelujah. With my powerful arm, I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him. He fights all our battles, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him. I will destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love, my mercy will be with him. And all, and by my authority, I, he will grow in power. Hallelujah. These are promises to you and I, folks, in Christ. And you can read the rest of that psalm. It's incredible, the promises, the covenant promises that are made to Christ, that are fulfilled in Christ to you and I. Those who trust in him, in the Lord, will never be put to shame. Now, for some, the topic of commitment is a trigger word. It's a trigger word for issues like fear, failure, and fallout from their lives. I know what that's like, folks. I remember battling the fear of failure, in fact. After I had blown my testimony one day on the way to ch church, and suddenly the spirit of fear came on me, and I began to feel like I wasn't gonna make it. I wasn't gonna make it. And I remember one day just weeping and crying before the Lord. And God spoke to me. And you know what he said? Two things. I love you. And I'm with you. I love you. And I'm with you. I love you. And I'm with you. I love you. And I am with you. And he has kept me. And he will keep you. I think of a man in the Bible that the Lord wanted to use to make a difference. But this man, because of adversity and fear, had a hard time committing to what God was calling him to. Then the Lord told Gideon, I am with you. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. You don't need to turn there, but it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Verse 16, Then the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as you were fighting against one man. Gideon was being hurt by others, so it produced a fear. He faced adversity, so he went into hiding. Sometimes we are afraid to commit because of past hurts and disappointments, so we become paralyzed. We, can get, we can't go forward. Our potential growth is stunted. Plans and dreams are aborted. Fear has torment. It produces torment, folks. 
I heard a quote the other day that stuck with me. Listen to this quote. Fear is the dark room that develops all my negatives. Light is the only thing that will stop a developing negative. Did you catch that? God's word is light. As a matter of fact, the entrance of his word brings light. Hallelujah. Jesus put it this way. He said, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Oh, come on, somebody. Fear has torment. It causes us to draw back, but faith in God enables us to go forward. Come and surrender all your fears and struggles to God by choosing to trust him, and he will not fail you. Even though you may have been hurt by someone, God created us for connection with others. Hallelujah. I said, God created us for connection with others. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you allow him to heal you, he will use your painful experience for you to comfort others. Even though people can be a source of pain, they can also be a source of healing. The Lord will use you to make a difference. For example, the Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous has great power and accomplishes wonderful results. When you commit to pray for others like we do on Tuesday nights here at our worldwide prayer meeting, the course of someone's life, including your own, will change. Folks, you should see the incredible praise reports, answered prayers we're getting on Tuesday nights. People are being healed miraculously, delivered, jobs are being provided for, marriages are being restored. In another place, the scripture puts it this way, two are better than one. Hallelujah. The Lord will use you to make a difference. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let me read it to you. You don't need to turn there. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. It says this, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Okay, so it's not just about us. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then it says this, let us not neglect our meeting together. In other words, don't not come to church. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. What is he saying? He's saying that some people have taken it upon themselves to think that they don't need the body of Christ. They don't need the church that they can make it on their own. But they fail to understand that it's not just about what you receive here at Times Square Church, 
but it's about what you impart, what you give, who you are, and the influence that you can have on the lives of your brothers and sisters on your left and right, before you and behind you. He's trying to get us away from this consumer mentality where we come to church and it's all about what am I going to get? What is God going to do in my life today? Folks, that's essential. That's important. But it's not just about that. It's about God using you and I to encourage somebody around you. I'm not condemning you if you're part of our online audience. If you live far away or maybe you're sick today or maybe you're working and you couldn't get here. But if you are local, don't you make any excuse for not being here. You need to be here in the house. Amen? Imagine if I didn't show up. And that brother and sister on your left and right didn't show up. And that one in front of you and behind didn't show up. How would we be able to uh, motivate one another to acts of love and good works? See, I knew it'd get quiet. (laughs) Amen. Did you know here at Times Square Church, we are offering all kinds of small groups for you to grow and find community? Also, through these small groups, you have an opportunity to impact others. Researchers say that those who get plugged in to a small group or connect group or some kind of cell group type of setting experience much more significant spiritual growth than those who don't get involved. That's what the research has proven, folks. And again, it's not just about what you and I get out of it, but what we contribute that makes a difference as well. So we must be willing to commit ourselves fully to God and to what he prescribes for his church. Think of the Apostle Paul and the disciples as they traveled in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, from city to city. What would they do? The first thing they did was they sought out the believers wherever they were meeting and they got together with them. It wasn't for their own, just their own benefit, but it was so that they would be an encouragement to others. They refused to go forward without their brothers and sisters. Folks, and I refused to go forward without you. And that has to come to a point where you and I refuse to go forward without each other. We must be willing to commit ourselves fully to God and to what he prescribes so that we can become all that God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do. God wants to change someone's life, but not without you. He wants to use you for his glory. Would you let him? 
What are the areas in your life that require more of a commitment? Is it your relationship with God? Your relationship with your family? Your marriage? Your job? Your schoolwork? Your calling? Your ministry? Wherever and to whomever that may be. Maybe it's a commitment to grow in different areas of your life. The Bible tells us that whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. It says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If you are determined to go with God, the Holy Spirit will help you. The Lord is a very present help in our time of need. Call out to him. Commit your way to him. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 16.3 says it this way. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord wants to use your life for his glory. Would you let him? We can't reach this hurting, dying world without your influence, not without you. It's time to be committed to make a difference. Would you bow your heads with me? Now, Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity that you have given me, Lord, to make a difference. Lord, I've entrusted myself to you and I've delivered what you placed on my heart. I thank you that you didn't shoot, that I didn't choose you. You chose me and you ordained me and you've ordained us to go forth and to bring forth fruit and that our fruit should remain. God, I thank you and I praise you. Enable us now to be real and vulnerable and open and to allow you to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. God, and that's to make a difference for your glory and fame. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want God to use my life for his glory. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me all over this house, here on the main floor, up in the balcony. You might have joined us online. I want you to stand right where you are, whether you're in your office, your living room, wherever you are, I want you to stand with me as well. And I want you to lift both your hands as a sign of surrender to Jesus today. And folks, we're going to go in right now for a minute or two. We're going to go in. We're going to go right into the presence of God. He's here already, but we're going to go right to the throne. It's a throne of mercy, a throne of grace. It's a throne where freedom is found. Freedom reigns in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Freedom to become all that God has 
called you to be. Freedom from fear. Healing is in this place. Healing from past hurts and disappointments and wounds. He can heal you right now if you will reach out to him and surrender those, he- those hurts and wounds from your past, those disappointments from your past, all your fear. I want you to begin to talk to him right now in your own words. Surrender it to him. Yield it to him. Everything that's held you back, yield it to him right now and begin to talk to him in prayer. Come on, let's turn this place into a prayer meeting for a minute or two. You begin to talk to God right now. Lift your voice to God. You begin to talk to him and surrender to him. Invite him to have his way, to be glorified, to glorify his name. Folks, he wants to use you. He wants to touch this world. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. We're going to pray for that one on our left and our right. Amen. We're going to do what we talked about today. We're going to make a difference right now in someone's life. Are you still with me? I want you to grab the hand of your neighbor on your left and right, and you may have to cross the aisles as well because we are one body in Christ. And I want you to begin to lift your voice and I want you to pray for that person on your left. Okay? We're going to pray for that person on your left and then we're going to take a moment and pray for that person on your right. Come on. Begin to lift your voice. Pray for God's blessing. Pray for God's anointing. Pray for them to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to them. Pray that they would not allow fear to hold them back. Pray that God would fight their battles. That he would give them the victory over all their enemies. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for my brothers and sisters who joined us for our live stream. I thank you that greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. I thank you that the victory is ours in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you have finished what you start. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You accomplish what you purpose to do. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would cover my brothers and sisters' heads in the day of battle, that they would not shrink back from the calling that you have on each of their lives, but God, that you would give them the grace to be faithful. Lord, and when they fall, that they would get back up and keep going. God, that they would keep going, that they would keep going, that they would never give up, that they would never let up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray for that one on your right now. Pray for that one on your right. Hallelujah. Father, we pray, let the anointing fall on our brothers and sisters. Let the anointing break every yoke. Let strongholds be broken. Let wounded hearts be healed, oh God. Let the ability to see a way forward, vision for the future be seen, be given, Lord. And let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the ability to stand and to make a difference. Lord, not to be self-focused, but to be focused on the needs of those around us and on the God who died for them. Lord, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for the opportunity to shine like lights in this world. Be glorified. Be exalted. Be honored, Lord, and be held in the highest esteem. Lord, for yours alone is the kingdom, the power and the glory, both now and forever, God. God, we thank you. We thank you. God, we thank you. 
We thank you for victory. We thank you for this house. And we thank you for using our lives for your glory and for your fame, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now begin to give him thanks. Begin to give him praise. 